0: Okay, and we are live. First time ever live on being human. <laughs> I'm be delighted to say, uh, Gillian McMichael, who's our guest uh, today, has uh, bravely agreed to uh, to go with this inaugural uh, live uh, broadcast. So thank you, Gillian. You're welcome. Um, welcome, welcome to the show, Gillian uh, McMichael is uh, well a phenomenon, right? We were just going through as you came on all of the things you're qualified in. You're a yoga teacher, you're a meditation mindfulness teacher. You've coached over 10,000 people as a a master coach. You've got your own podcast, the Full Circle Podcast. You're a Reiki energy healer. You've actually trained 8,000 students to become professional coaches. Uh, So I, I can't wait to have this conversation today, Gillian.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here and a bit nervous, but we'll go with the flow, right? Because it's live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's live. And we've, I've never dealt with this before. We've got Karen Rylance. uh, Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Um, So I've I've read the book. You know, you're also an author uh, of this book, Coming Home. I actually listened to the book on Audible. Um, a guide to being your true self uh really love the book and and you really you're uh, you know you're vulnerable you walk your talk in this in terms of your you know your early experience um that ultimately led to you to this path of coaching and then all of the other things that i i just mentioned uh, so for those who are not familiar with you and and your work, maybe you could um, give us some of the story that the backstory that ultimately brought you to becoming a, a coach and and, and healer yeah. and all of the other things we've talked about
1: yeah sure so I suppose my background up until 2004 was I was in human resources and learning and development um I'd um <clears throat> become I suppose I was a, a late student so I was a mature student to get my CIPD qualification and and arrange range the different things and I suppose I, I was in HR and I liked HR and mainly, you know, started off with recruitment. So I was in recruitment selection for a while and then moved into a bit more L and D, so learning and development, and then did some generalist work. Um but in my last HR kind of role that I had, um I was a a global HR business partner and um they wanted to find out more about coaching. And I was a bit like, oh what's all what's all this about? Um and you know, we thought we did coaching, like a lot of maybe HR professionals also would recognize this as well. But you think you do coach, but actually really mentoring or guiding and advising. And, and so I got really involved in understanding a little bit more about what coaching was and how we could bring that back into our organization. And, um, I decided then to train as a life coach, Um, and I saw the tiniest of little adverts, um, this is before the internet basically was even existed. And this certainly would never have existed existed then. Um, so it was a little advert and I thought, well, why not? Let's see what it's like. And so I trained to become a life coach. And it really changed my world and changed my whole outlook on life. And then after that, um, you know, I set up my first business, which was a company called New You Coaching, um, and did that for around seven years. Um, Lost all of that in the recession and a range of other different things, which I'm sure we'll delve into. Mm. um, And then started to rebuild in 2010. Um, And, you know, that's where my journey started to find out more, about who I really was. I mean, I, I'd done a lot of work on myself beforehand, but not as much as what happened um, from 2010 onwards. And so that's when I learned to meditate, um, become a mindfulness meditation teacher with Chopra Center. Um, you know, then decided to become an Ayurvedic uh, perfect health teacher through Chopra again, um, and then moved into yoga teaching, becoming um, working towards becoming a Reiki master, which I became a Reiki master last year. So Reiki healer, but kind of the, the kind of I suppose the highest level. And and I suppose I've been working towards that master coach level, and I've been now master coach with the International Coach Federation for around six and a half years.
0: Right. Wow. Um. Yeah. And and in the book, it, you even your route to HR was not not uh, perhaps a traditional route, right? You you didn't go kind of university no. corporate job. Yeah. <laughs> no. Tell us a bit about that. I, yeah. I that. So
1: so. You know, I, I was really into drama when I was younger. Um, as a little girl, I used to lie on the bed with my, you know, head over my, you know, kind of on my hands, kind of dreaming about being famous and dreaming about, you know, being an actress and everything. But what happened was, um, I didn't actually um, get the qualifications that I wanted. Um, I get, I got very, I was um, most probably lacked a lot of self-confidence um, through school. Um, as People, if they've read the book, they'll uh, remember this from it. But I got bullied an awful lot really from being the age of eight years old. I We, we moved house when I was eight um, to a new town, a smaller town in a different location from what we were familiar with. And, um, and you know, we went to the school and my brother, who was a few years younger than me, fit in brilliantly. Um, I didn't, I seemed that, don't know, people thought maybe I was a bit different. And so I started to get bullied from eight years onwards, um, all the way really through until um, I left school. And, and actually b- beyond that, to be fair, um, you know, I lived in a very small town. It was a market town, everybody knew everybody and I suppose the new girl just didn't really fit in. And and so I, you know, I I, I lost my confidence um, a lot actually and my self-belief and a lot of my self-worth started to kind of drift away. Um, I'd play, you know, many roles to try and fit in. All I wanted to do was to belong and to be liked like I think most people do. And certainly as a young girl, um, that was really important to me at the time. Um, you know, and that was, I. I think realistically those were quite traumatic times, and I, I think you know when we think about bullying today, um, you know I think I, I think it would have been maybe nipped in the bud by the school or maybe by my parents more, but because I don't know, because you know there was that kind of theory, wasn't that? Well, that you know tomorrow will be kind of the fish and chip paper kind of thing, you know, so don't need to worry about it, you'll be fine, you know, just kind of crack on with it. So it was this kind of you know just kind of get on with it. And because that was, I suppose, the mentality of those around me, I just kind of did try to get on with it. But actually, it really fundamentally affected with who I was. And I really lost myself. And I think, you know, when I when I look back to those early years, and I do say this in the book, that for me, those are the, you know, I, I started to play so many different roles that I completely lost who I was because all I wanted to do was to fit in and be liked. Um, and so that led, I suppose, then to me being very anxious at times, very nervous. I would play, you know, different roles, you know, I play this kind of, well, I'm all right kind of thing, you know, and you might see this with, with people that, you know, but you know, where they're steeped in vulnerability, but they act kind of, everything's all right. And they kind of act tough, um, most probably driven very much by my ego, I would say in terms of that protective state, trying to keep me safe and, and, and protected. But actually what it did was put a really hard shell on me. And so when it came to things like studying, I studied, um, but you know, I just didn't have the confidence, and so when I did my A levels, um, I didn't get the results that I wanted. Um, again, this was another kind of, kind of uh, another kind of level of uh, humiliation for me. I'd had quite a lot of humiliation through the years, and this was just another one of those moments where I'd, you know, I let myself down. I didn't, maybe I didn't study, and I don't know what happened, but I just didn't get the results that I wanted, and so it left me again feeling very vulnerable, and so and and actually you know i remember my parents saying this and please don't judge my parents for this cuz they're wonderful people but you know my mom said to me when you know when i said i wanted to be an actress you know she turned around and said well you know maybe you should need to learn to type as well just so that you have that backup plan mm. you know and they were being very practical cuz they're northern people very you know kind of working class and, and 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 that's what we did we 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 always had a backup plan and but but that also affected me because it it, it made me think well maybe i can't do this maybe i can't be an actress and so after failing the exams you know i learned to type and i became an admin and secretarial you know a secretary for a while and again there's nothing wrong in that role or job but it just wasn't where i wanted to be and i felt very frustrated with myself i felt very disillusioned and and you know i, I suppose yeah angry maybe a little bit at the world and myself and hadn't i suppose because coaching i wasn't familiar with coaching it them days, you know, I was just yeah. way too young for that. Um, so I, 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 you know, I was looking for other things to 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 kind of hang that situation on. And so it was very easy for me to point the finger at other people and not really look at myself because yeah. um, it was easy to blame others. And I think it is very easy to blame others and not really look at yourself. And, and so there was a lot of that going on. Um, and then I got this opportunity. I was really, you know, kind of climbing the walls. I was thinking, well, I can't keep doing this. I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I just felt that there was something bigger and something maybe more meaningful for me to do. Um, but I didn't know what that was. So I searched for lots of different jobs. I went to Stockholm for an interview, to work for a design company. You know, I was going to kind of really push it, moving to London and trying all these different things. Um, but before, before I did any of those kind of more permanent moves like to London, which I did in my early 20s, I, I um, found myself um, getting a job um as a um holiday representative so a holiday rep basically um and what was interesting i suppose I, I was i would maybe class myself as being kind of an attractive looking woman in those days um i was only 20 I was 2021 20, i think at the time when i went to greece and um <clears throat> you know i was due to uh work for a really nice family brand um a really really nice family branded organisation part of this organisation um but uh, the big boss was there on the last day and he said, she's not going there. She can go to the 20s group, which was kind of like the equivalent to Club 18 to 30s at the time, right. based upon how I looked, I think, at the time. Um, so I got posted to a place called Falaraki, which is in Greece, um, which yeah. was a really big party place at the time. Um, and I, to be honest, i was very naive. I'd never lived away from home before, um, you know, so didn't know what to expect. I remember getting off the plane and my boss being there and my 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 colleague. There was two of them, and they said, "Right, initiation." This is like you know two a.m. in the morning, um, initiation. And they took me to a bar and they insisted I drank twenty tequila slammers um, to show that I could drink. Um, I'd actually not been a drinker before um, before that point, um, and you know found myself in a world that I was so unfamiliar with. And I felt once again, thinking that this would have been my dream job, kind of, you know, working right. with people and um, helping people have a really nice time on their holidays and things like that, working with children and families, which I wanted to do now working with, you know, groups of gangs, gangs of lads, gangs of girls coming on these, these holidays where all it was, was about boozing and having sex most probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I found myself in a world that I was very, very unfamiliar with and very much out of my depth. Yeah, and and that then obviously led on to a number of different experiences whilst I was there, Um, and then you know after that realised I couldn't do that work. I'm I'm very happy to talk about things, um, but I don't know if you want to ask me some questions about it. I'm not sure Um, because I would kind of want it to be a monologue. Um, But you know, um, you know, and then and then came back from Greece very broken, more broken than I'd gone, um, and really didn't know what to do with myself. And that's when I decided to go to London and. I got myself then involved in HR and I studied and kind of reset things after that experience.
0: Yeah. And that's what you shared in the book, which, which I really appreciated the fact that you were prepared to um, talk about some of those, those more painful experiences that you had there uh, and how that affected you. Cause I I think other people will resonate it. So are you happy to share there was one particular oh, yeah. experience there?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, uh, because I'd been bullied, I'd had quite a lot of verbal abuse throughout my, my you know, younger years as I described. And um, and actually that didn't change. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to Greece to kind of reset to have this amazing experience and, and you know, it just didn't turn out to be like that. Um, I needed to drink and it was asked to, well, I was told to dance on bars told to be provocative with punters so that they would buy trips and, you know, days outs and things like that. And, and again, very much out of my comfort zone. And then obviously, um, because it was the beginning of the season, um, my hotel where I was staying wasn't ready. So I had to share a room with my colleague, a female colleague. Um, and on one of these nights that we'd um, gone out and about and all of the things that I had to do in terms of initiation and getting myself ready and all of those things. Um, I found myself very drunk, um, asleep and, um, yeah. And my boss, who was male, um, was on top of me, I suppose, and doing things that he shouldn't have been doing to me in essence, which was, um, really disturbing and really frightening actually. I was 21, um, you know, only ever had one relationship, um, before and found myself completely, you know, um not knowing what to do, but panicking and freaking, as you would imagine, freaking out. And and <sighs> this isn't in the book, but uh, my colleague just lay there. She was there in the room and just rolled over and just ignored what was happening. And, and I found that even more traumatic right. that somebody who I thought I could trust, who I just started to build a relationship with as a colleague, um, didn't actually help. So I battled my way out of that, literally kicking and screaming and really, you know, biting and fighting. Um, And, you know, when I complained about it, I went to my big, big boss. Um, I had a meeting um, with him. Um, He told me just to stop being so bouffant and to shut up and put up was his words. So... I was very traumatized by that um but I didn't know what to do um because I thought I'd done the right thing by talking about it um I got told to get back get back and work get back on the get back on the bar so to speak and to to shake my ass for the punters was the exact phrase if I remember rightly at the time and um and that's what I did but that went on for about maybe there for about I don't know maybe 9 weeks 10 weeks and I just couldn't Cope. Um, and I remember phoning home. I didn't tell my parents what happened, not told anybody really what happened until, you know, in fact recently actually, mm-hmm. funny enough. Um and I I came back, you know. Um, I got told that they they would give me only a hand luggage to get back on the plane. I couldn't take all I couldn't take any of the belongings that I brought. I had to leave them. And I had to go that night if I wanted to go. And that was the only opportunity for me to get back that they would pay for my flight. And basically it was good riddance um because they see me as being trouble so that was what happened so i suppose after that i slept for about six weeks i was very traumatized my mum didn't know what was going on i don't think at the time and i should have been maybe in hindsight more fairer and shared what had happened but i was hugely hugely humiliated and i felt complete and utter failure i mean a, a real complete and utter failure and you know after that i um I started to look for work, you know, and I went back to being a secretary and admin for a while and um, because that's what I could get a job in. Um, but again, my confidence was shot to be- shot to bits. I had no self-worth, no self-belief. And because I'd been heavily drinking in Greece because it was my job and I was forced to drink in the way that I was forced to drink, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe people might have said, well, you should, should could have said no. Um, I could have said no, but I would have been fired and you know, I, I, I didn't want to be a failure. So I, I thought yeah. this job would have been that opportunity for me to really create something for myself. And so, and I, and I didn't want to go back to where I was because I'd had such an awful time when I was a child and a teenager. I was like, I, I, you know, this was my, I suppose my, what I thought was my golden ticket, you know, to have this yeah. great career, this great, re, this restart, this fresh kind of career opportunity. And, you know, it just didn't work out that way. And so, you know, um, it took me quite a while, but I was drinking. I, so I wasn't, I'm certainly not, never been an alcoholic, but I was using alcohol, I think as a, as a numbing, um, yeah. thing. And I moved to London after that. And through that process, I, you know, um, I still wasn't my true self and in, in fact, in fact, I think I was most probably further away from my true self than I would ever have been. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know who I was. All I knew is that I needed to survive. I needed some work and I needed to get away and and london gave me that space to at least figure out what i could do and and i got myself a job in admin to begin with in london and then very quickly got the opportunity to move into uh, recruitment and then into hr and that's when i did my hr qualification and then moved into that role
0: right and and during that period you were you were But burying those those thoughts, you know, how are you just how are you dealing with what had happened? What what was your um, strategy?
1: Well, I just box them away. And I think many women do that or have done that. Um
0: Ben, I can I can confirm.
1: Yeah, you know, you just put it away, right? You're like you neatly put it in a box, you're like, okay, that happened, I'm not gonna think about that. So you just choose to ignore it. But you know deep down that there's just something not right within and you can't really and, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I would even forget about it because yeah. I buried it so deeply. And great. The, the, the brain's amazing, right? It can, it can do whatever we, we need it to at times. Yeah. Um, but yet there was always something there. And I think, I think for me, it, it, it turned out in that kind of lack of self-belief and lack of self-worth. Um, and that just showed up in every aspect of my life. And did so, I would say, until around 2000 and 2010 when I started to really start to
0: change things. Oh wow! So so so, but something was keeping you going through these HR jobs. Yeah. You know, what what was it that was driving you?
1: I think um, I think really deep down, I'm very resilient as a human yeah. being, and I think I, I I think I have a a real deep inner strength that I, I I I most you know I think maybe that was some of the things that I learned from being young when I was bullied at school. You you do become tough. You get a you do get an outer shell and you, you, you cope, you, you, you survive because otherwise, you know, what, what options do you have? And, and, and one of the things I've always been adamant about is that, you know, I will keep, regardless of what's happened, I will always kind of keep a positive mindset, even though I might not have believed in myself. Um, I would still push myself forward for things. I would still, you know, um, be ambitious in many ways, um, to, I think in essence now it's most probably trying to prove my self-worth to myself yeah. uh, when I look back now. Um, but, 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 but something kept me going and, and, and I can only say it was strength and resilience and, and maybe deep down somewhere within me was a belief that actually I wasn't a bad person. I actually am a, a nice and a good person. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, and I think, I think somewhere deep in me kind of just kept me going. And, and yeah. so I just kept going. But I didn't stop and reflect, you know. I mean, and, and and now in hindsight, now that I've stopped and reflected, you can learn an awful lot from those experiences. But at the time, I think I was just fighting, fighting, fighting and surviving. I wouldn't say I was thriving in any way, but I was definitely surviving.
0: Yeah, and you had this ambition and and drive yeah. in spite of your lack of self-esteem. and
1: Yeah, which is quite yeah. ironic. I'm not quite sure how, you know, it's kind of so polar opposites in many ways but I just didn't want to give up. Right. I was adamant. There was no way I was giving up on my life and no way that I was giving up on me.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way, the way I see it is like, it's, it's, it's about proving that you're not something, you know, proving yeah. I'm not a failure. I'm not this. Yes, simple.
1: exactly. And I think As that was exactly the
0: great mm-hmm. or whatever. It yeah,
1: means. sure. Definitely.
0: And so, so you hadn't started the self-reflection and so, so, but you were, you were, progressing you were getting getting these these various jobs so when when was it that the the self-reflection started
1: well yeah so we'd had i'd had a successful business um so i so i'd moved from london moved up to edinburgh um in a nutshell um again i don't know i I have maybe an entrepreneurial spirit somewhere deep down within me or and literally tossed a coin heads edinburgh tails brighton and edinburgh came up so moved to edinburgh um And I was with my ex-husband at the time wasn't my husband at the time, but my ex-husband at the time. And, and we moved to Edinburgh. And, um, I then worked in HR for a short, for, for a period of time, but this is when I'd got kind of really interested in coaching and what it was all about and then did the training. And so, you know, new you was born out of that new coaching, and it was a very successful coach training organization. We were only the third coach training provider in the UK at the time. Right. Um, there's nobody, we were the first in Scotland, um, at the time. And so we, you know, you know, it was a good business, a solid business, um, for, for quite a number of years. And then 2008 came recession hit and my husband and I, uh, went through a very difficult time. I have my son at that time, who was a couple of years, he was, yeah, 2008. he was, I can't remember how old he was now, about four or five, something like that. Um. And we we're going through a really tricky time and we decided to separate. And um, my husband at this time was part of the business. He was involved in the business. He'd left his corporate job uh, to come on board in the business, which was in hindsight, not the best thing to do, but it's what happened. Um, and we had a really turbulent time, actually. Yeah. So clients stopped paying, um, you know, people were... Just pulling out left, right, and center. So the cash flow was really, you know, as you'd imagine with any recession. But it was the worst thing I've. I think was probably one of the worst things I'd experienced, apart from my experience in Greece. Um, but but really quite again traumatic because having to lay people off, we couldn't afford, you know, a range of things. And then through through in the midst of all of this, then we decided to separate and get divorced. Um, and that was again was really really difficult because once again I'd failed at school, I'd failed in my business, I failed in my right. marriage, and um, the one thing I was really good at was a mum, so I really held yeah. on to that, so I was really good at being a, a mum and I still am a great mum, and um, yeah, and so that all crumbled, and that left me going into liquidation in 2010, uh, which was again hugely humiliating, and especially when your name and you're in the newspaper and you're labelled as a failure by the newspaper. Um, And everyone that, you know, was associated with the business got looked after. I was, I was really insistent on making sure that everybody, so I took personal loans out to make sure people got paid. They got three, four months salary. Um, and that left me with a huge amount of debt. Now, a lot of that debt wasn't due to just me. We, the the debt was for the business as well. Yeah. And the bank decided that they wanted that money back. So with all those accumulated debts, the debts that my ex-husband had, also accumulated and a range of other different things that left me with 97,000 pounds worth of debt. And within six months, um, I lost my home, my car, my car went, I got driven away, um, my business and my marriage all gone and just me and my son with a few suitcases and we had to start again. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah so quite t- really really turbulent but in hindsight i can sit here now and say that was the best thing that ever happened to me in wow. all of that it took me seven years to pay off the debt so it took seven years to pay off the debt and i paid every single penny off Um we had a hundred students who had paid for courses that needed to be trained so i did all that i i honored um yeah. obviously i wasn't getting paid off the business it all went you know so right um my mum and dad gave me a loan for a rent one month you know kind of rent and deposit for the first couple yeah. of months um on a flat for me and my son because my son was in school we couldn't you know take it we didn't want to take him out of school and, yeah. and you know move anywhere um and so again it was kind of sink or swim what do i do do I, do i sink and do i just do, or, or what do i do and so i decided to swim i was you know i, I was a um, an ACC coach at the time, uh, yeah, ACC coach at the time, uh, which is, um, <clears throat> one of the credential coaches through the ICF route. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to need to put my skills into practice here and do something for myself. And through the support of my family and friends that I had at the time, um, I got myself back on track, but it took, you know, took seven years to clear the debt and, and to get back on track. Um, and I suppose through that process. I realized that something else was really kind of stirring within me. There was this kind of need to understand, well, who am I? Because I, I mean literally everything had been stripped back. Yeah. You know, um and 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 actually having to start again was was really difficult because the energy and the the emotions and and trying to really say look, you know, this wasn't all you're doing. There was a number of factors. I had to really look at it very pragmatically. Um, don't get me wrong. There were moments when <laughs> you know I had my victim mode, and why me, and all this kind of yeah. thing. That we do and cry and shout and slam your hands on the floor, and you know. And, uh, but, but but you know, I, I didn't. That have that part it, of
0: it? Like your ability yeah. to just let the emotions out, right?
1: To yeah, I mean the emotions yeah. need to come out, and and it came out, and I I did cry a lot, a lot, and I was very angry again, at, not just at myself, but you know at the circumstance and the situation, but. But again, I quit questioning, well what, well, what was it about what I did? Because I was involved in this. What, what, allowed this to, what allowed this to happen? And I was involved in it, so I had responsibility. So I decided to take that responsibility, which was most probably, out. you know, there was a number of things I could have done earlier but didn't do. So there's lots of learning. Right. Um, and I tried my hardest not to beat myself up, but to actually to look at it as, okay, what can I do? Because I have to survive. I've, I, not only now do I have myself to look after, I have my six-year-old son who needs stability consistently. I need to earn money. Um, And now I could have gone and got a job. I I could have gone and got a job back in HR or something like that. And I did go for interviews and I did consider all of that. But I got stopped in the street by a friend of mine who's a very, very close friend now. She was actually a, a client. And she said, you know, why don't you just come in and have a chat with us? We can't promise you that. We can give you work, but why don't you come in and have a chat with us? Because I told her what had happened and everything, and she was HR of a a renewable energy company, and I had to go in and I had to explain all my financial circumstances and go, and that was quite humiliating to their financial director. Um, But actually, they gave me an olive branch and they gave me a piece of corporate work, and I went back and did coaching and leadership development for them and. And then that led on to me. I felt more confident then to reach out to. I had I worked with the NHS, for example, and I reached out right. to them and my my contacts there and explained what happened. And and I, although it was I was embarrassed, and there was a, a huge amount of shame. I mean, a huge amount of shame. Um,
0: and how did you handle that shame? Like, well,
1: I well, to be honest, I I, I journaled a lot. Right. Um, I started to write. So this, I suppose, is the foundation of the book. I suppose yeah. so. I, I started to write and I would journal everything. Um, I would, you know, ask myself questions and pose myself questions every day. I, I set myself a coaching plan. Um, somebody that I knew had provided an opportunity for to, me to do a spreadsheet so I could understand how much debt I was paying back every month. And it was only small to begin with. And then it started to get bigger payments. So, so I, could, I, I felt like I could start to get control over things again and wasn't kind of lost out at sea. Um, that I'd been at the very beginning. And so I suppose through planning and, and reflection and, and to learn, I think, and actually to be very grateful. I was, I was tremendously grateful that NHS gave me a piece of work and this other corporate client gave me a piece of work and, and the irony of when you go into liquidation and the liquidation company say to you, well, we've got all your database and we know you've got no money. Um, but if pay us 10 grand, we'll give you all the database. <laughs> so, you know, uh, which was really interesting. Um, so, um, thankfully, um, I didn't, I didn't need that database. Um, but, um, I started to build up my contacts and I reached out to people. I spoke to the ICF, I told them what had happened and they said that, well, the, the qualification, cause I, I do accredited courses. So I didn't want to lose my livelihood. Um, yeah. and they said, well, you know you know we we've noticed what you've done you've honored your you know responsibilities and 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 for training people and blah 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 you've done all of that and so in return we'll honor what you've done and we'll 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 let you keep the accreditation and so that's what happened um so i could start to rebuild so i started to put on one or two courses just to get back i was paying the debt off gradually and then over those 7 years um i started to really learn more about meditation and mindfulness and all of that kind of thing but it was funny because i had you know um there's a book uh, that says the body keeps the score and yes. i think uh, if, if you've ever read it you'll you'll know what it's about yeah. but um it's very true because over that period of time within the first kind of um year and a bit of of trying to rebuild and survive i got adult asthma which i'd never had before um Massive asthma attack, End up going to the hospitals on all, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. After a bad chest infection, my really body was exhaust, exhausted, basically. Right. Um, I don't think I was really thinking straight. I think I was just doing and just going through the work that I needed to do because I had to. Not because I had to, I wanted to do the work, but I needed to survive and to provide. Um, but I don't think I was really paying attention to my own well-being. And yeah. so the doctor, the consultant said to me, you know, have you ever tried meditation? And I was like, hmm, no. And they said, well, you should do. And I would put on a huge amount of weight because I was not really looking after myself. I was, like I said, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was drinking on a Friday night and on a Saturday just as a comfort because, you know, that's kind of what you did. Yeah. And I think most people still do that now. Um, and I was eating, you know, and even though I was trying to lose weight, I couldn't lose weight. Um, and I think that's because I wasn't dealing with the emotional aspects of what was going on in
0: so what was would, within me. So you were journaling, but... It wasn't going deep, deep into the emotions, would you say? The
1: journaling was emotional. The journaling was emotional, but I don't think, I think I was just talking about it. And I hadn't, I don't think I'd connected with it as being me. So it was kind of, it was deep, um, but I think it was, I'm saying it was deep, but maybe it wasn't, I don't know. I can't, you know, it's funny, maybe it's not as deep as it was, but there was just something that I don't feel I was being really honest with myself through the process. Right, and so I couldn't lose weight. I was going to the gym. I was running. I was trying anything that I could do to lose weight. And so I went to a nutritionist, and he said to me, "You know, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to get diabetes and other really big illness." Because the amount of adrenaline and cortisol that was in my body at the time was just hugely, really, really dangerous. And so um, he put me on a on a on a kind of particular diet that I needed to eat and 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 lifestyle kind of approach. And that was really, really helpful. And over time I started, but he also said, you maybe need to meditate. And then the next day, my inbox, surprise, surprise, came Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey learned to meditate 21 days for free. And I was like, well, this is for free. This is awesome. So I jumped in with both feet. And then after that, I was hooked and I meditated every day ever since. Um, And then trained with the Chopra Center to be a meditation and mindfulness teacher and it, and i would say that most probably meditation really did help save save me i think in terms of and also what it did is it started to calm my mind down it started to yeah. really help me find that kind of inner peace and, and a little bit more peace and quietness that i needed because i was just doing 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 all the time because i was in right. that high, i was in that constant high alert state and had been really most probably from 8 years old and so i i really felt that i needed to to just Try and tune in more to myself. And that's when I started to realize um, who I really was. And that's when I started to walk back home to my true self.
0: Right, right. And you mentioned earlier the, the, this emotional, you were journaling, but maybe you weren't going too deep on the emotionals, uh, on your emotions. Yeah, you find that the meditation was giving you peace was it also allowing you to connect yes. emotionally at a deeper level
1: yeah it was and alongside that i got some therapy so i did mix it with a, a, a mixture of things i went and got some therapy to talk about um loss of uh, marriage and business and all of that kind of thing so i did a, a fair bit of work on with in therapy around that um i also was receiving reiki um on a on a monthly basis and um, couldn't afford any more than that, but a monthly basis. And I got that, I got that done on a, on a monthly basis and I was doing everything free regarding meditation at that time at the beginning. And that's, so I think the combination of those things really started to help me, um, yeah, reconnect with myself and, and really truly get to get to that more honest version of me and who I was and what was really going on for me. And I didn't know who that was. I mean, I actually didn't know who I was. I could say, well, yeah, I'm Jillian, but, and this is what I do. Um, but there were so many labels, um, you know, I didn't actually really know who I truly was.
0: Yeah. And I like that section in the book where you talk, you go through, well, yes, I'm a mum, and yes, I'm a coach. I'm yeah. yes, I'm, I'm but yeah. you know, you just keep going. Yeah. 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 Keep underneath. going and keep
1: going until you get, well, I mean, I just come up with, well, I am me, but, but then, you know, you expand that out and, and on the back of that, I needed to understand actually, well, what? what did me look like if I was really being true to myself, what what would that look and feel like and how would I live my life and what choices would I make? And and I think especially when you've been through a fair bit of trauma on and off and there's loads of different traumas, there's some, you know, big T, little T trauma and, and certainly no one, I'm not comparing my trauma to anybody else's, but for me, there was a fair amount of trauma I would say throughout my life growing up. And I think, um, I think you always want to please. And I think you always want to second guess. And this was my opportunity to drop that role of needing to belong and needing to fit in and wanting to be liked, you know, more than anything else, you know, you know, for me, the key thing was that I needed to like myself. I needed to learn to love myself. Um, that was the journey that I was deciding to take. I needed to get to that place because I knew that's what would bring me contentment, happiness and, and, and joy. And, and, and I believe that we all have the opportunity to try and find that in some way, shape or form for us, because at the end of the day, I don't think life is meant to be that hard, although it is hard and it's very challenging for people. Um, but we, but, but when you start to learn to like yourself or even to love yourself and not many of us do love ourselves, but when you do, it releases you completely from that past conditioning. And from those roles, and 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 all of that hurt, shame, and pain that we carry with us, and and I think that was the greatest gift I could have given myself. But that did right. come through a lot of hard work and over a decade of investment in myself.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what people don't always want to hear, right? Like, no,
1: they want a quick fix. You, you want to measure it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly been my experience. I, I measure my progress in decades, yeah. not. Not you know, yeah. not six six sessions or you know, no, it's it, 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 it's an yeah. ongoing
1: process, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's what I've now accepted that you know, for me to continue to be true to me, it, it's a lifelong journey. It's not it, it's it's a it's a way of being. It's not something that you have a quick fix and it's going to get you know managed yeah. really really quickly and it's going to be better because you have to keep working on it every day. And so yeah. you know, hence. Um, ritual and routine are very important to me and I would encourage anybody who's listening to make sure that they have some sort of routine. I don't know what you do, but certainly routine is very important Mm -hmm. for me. And, and having, knowing that I get up every day and meditate, I will do my yoga or some exercise, you know, I will journal throughout the day at some point, um, I reflect upon myself and, and check in with myself. I get coached, you know, I still receive Reiki, even though I give Reiki, you know, um, I still look at my, you know, my nutrition and my exercise and, and, and my, even that my bedtime routine, making sure that I'm getting my, you know, the eight hour sleep that I need every night. And, and I, you know, um, I still drink, but I don't drink an awful lot anymore. I might have a glass of wine with dinner if I go out for dinner, but apart from that, I don't drink really anymore. Um, and I find that with that combination of ritual and, and lifestyle choices, it can really make a big difference to how you view yourself and how you experience yourself in the world.
0: Yeah, um, and, and, and let's definitely dive into into that. Well, I'm also intrigued that you, you, you said when you, you, st- you started with, you had the Reiki going, the therapy, you're doing your meditation, um, and then you're you asking yourself these deeper questions. Did they just come to you and, and you think, uh, I should really start asking these questions, or how did that emerge in the process?
1: Well, a lot of those questions i would most probably asked my clients before in the past, right. you know, in my previous company. And I thought, well, you know, I have a wealth of experience. I'd had seven years at this, you know, so I, I knew how to get to the root cause. But it's very easy as a coach to say, well, it's easy to do when you work with a client but it's not necessarily always easy when you do the work on yourself. And so yeah. I really needed, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I think I wrote in the book that, you know, to, I, you know, to stand in front of the mirror and actually really look at yourself without criticizing yourself, without being brutal and cruel to yourself. And I think that was part of the journey I needed. I knew, I knew that I needed to, to learn to befriend myself because there was no way that I would speak to myself as I would speak one, to, to one of my friends. Yet I yeah. was, you know, I was stupid. I was fat. I was ugly, you know, you know, you name it. I was all of these things alongside a failure and all of that stuff. And so that was my narrative. And, you you know, for me, I'm a firm believer. And this came from more of the Eastern philosophies that I've delved into the learning of the last decade is that, you know, what, what we, what we think, uh, you know, so, so what we, what we think we believe and what we believe yeah. we become. And, and I, And for me, that really stuck with me. And I thought, well, I need to really change how I speak about myself. I need to really change my narrative because if I don't, then I'm always going to be in this position, feeling like a failure, feeling not good enough, not worthy and blah, 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 and all of those things. Um, And so I had to start changing that and I had to befriend myself. And so I had to start to like myself and I I pushed myself, you know, I, I went to dance classes when I'd never been to dance classes before. (laughs) <laughs> you know and i learned photography and i, I you know i wrote down a list because i didn't know who i was i didn't know what i what i liked doing anymore and yeah. you know i stared and looked at blank piece. i mean stared and looked at a blank piece of paper all day not knowing what i could do and actually it was the simple things like listen to music put on a favorite record or put on a favorite you know on itunes or whatever or mm. spotify you know listen to something that just you really enjoy doing. You know, dance, I mean, silly things like dance around the kitchen, which I still do and dance around my office every now and again, when I feel like I need to shake some stuff off, um, read a book, read a novel for the sake of just reading a novel and being present in the moment. And, and, and these are things that I just not done for so long. Um, but what I realized by doing these simple things that wasn't that expensive, it started to give me a lot more joy and I started to change how I spoke to myself through the process of integrating different experiences and reconnecting with the things that I used to love doing, riding a bike, you know, going on the swings. My son was still young, took him down to the park. Instead of just pushing him, I was on the swing next to him. We're on the seesaw <laughs> together, you know, and, 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 and having fun with it and really being, you know, having those moments of joy, which yeah. didn't cost, a, well didn't cost anything apart from
0: time. Right. And
1: also giving yourself permission to be okay with those, with yourself in those moments.
0: Yeah, and what came through in the book was your, your your absolute dedication to get to answers. Right, I can imagine a lot of people they're given that kind of question from a coach or who am I or what gives me joy. They, they might spend three or four minutes on it, and then yeah, but the fact you would stare at a blank piece of paper for half an hour and just keep going and stay in those questions until the answers emerge, and then and then take action on that and say, okay, well, the answer is singing. I'm going to go put so, right. It's that total. The, the dedication to the self work really yeah, take these questions yeah. seriously,
1: right? It's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. i would not really. It, it's only recently, actually, I came back from India. I did um a yoga teacher training course, and I came back from India, and I realised um that um discipline leads to liberation. And I really, I had a, you know, discipline. I'm kind of thinking, you know, being told off as a kid, and yeah. you know, we all have different relationship with the word discipline. But actually, what I realised whilst I was in India and went through the program, the training program I was on and learned loads around Ayurvedic living and, and Vedic traditions and so forth and real deep delve in Eastern philosophy, um, which was amazing. Um, really taught me that actually, if you set your mind to something and if you work at it every day, it will give you the freedom that you want, which is conscious choice and a conscious way of living and a conscious way of being. And, and that to me has been magic, you know, to be able to, to now realize that that's what I was doing right. you know, through my determination and through my commitment to trying to understand what was going on for me and to try to really get to the root cause of who I am, because I didn't know who I was. Um, and, and that then reminded me that actually, yeah, discipline does lead to liberation, which is it's about hard work. It's about commitment one of the things I would say about myself, even from being a little girl, is that I have always had a very strong work ethic. And once I decide to do something, I like to put it into action. Yeah, And I suppose that's been a constant theme throughout my life so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what you were f- applying sort of externally out there, you were able to apply inward, in- inwardly, yeah. right, to answer these Correct. questions and do the digging. Yeah. 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 Um. You talk, You talked about well. The other thing that I just you touched on there, but is a big is a big topic in the book. Is this idea of experience? Go out there and experience. And we yeah. we focus on things, you know, in the in the Western culture and maybe you know, yes. <laughs> increasingly globally, right? But yeah, it and the importance. And you've just you just rattle off. Oh, when I was into this, so you, you you have had a clearly had a very rich tapestry of experiences, and that's yes. part of your commitment now. Is yes yeah
1: yeah i think i you know for me um what i've learned also about myself is that you know i really want to get to to kind of learn from experts that can help me and then i can then share that knowledge on with my clients and so forth and so i've always been passionate about experiencing you know a wide range of different things and i one of the things i think i've learned through this whole process since 20 what 10 uh, when i lost everything was that actually i'm a lifelong learner And even though I didn't do well at school, I have done so well as an adult in terms of my education and learning and qualifications. And what's interesting now is that I don't feel the need to prove myself. I'm doing it because I want to do it. And I love learning. And the more I learn about new philosophies or different takes on life or you know, whatever it is that I'm learning, I always learn something about myself. And I think that for me, is what keeps me really motivated and engaged in learning is that I'm always learning more about myself because at the end of the day, I do want to be the best version of myself. I do want to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. I believe I've got a lot to offer the world and a lot to offer my clients and the work that I do and my family and friends. And, you know, so therefore it, you know, I need to be good because how can I do the work that I do if I'm not good within myself?
0: And there's always more, you mentioned in the book, what the statistics, something like 10%, uh, we we, we uh, manifest ten yeah. percent of our uh, potential human
1: potential, human yes. Human
0: potential, right?
1: Yeah. So we've got ninety percent available. You know, we can yeah. tap into more. And I think for me, I'm yeah really curious to understand well what more is there for me, and what more can I learn, and what more can I offer the world.
0: Yeah. Um. You you mentioned daily routine. So so what what is uh yeah what is the Jillian McMichael. Morning Day routine.
1: routine. Morning, well, morning routine is pretty straightforward. It's getting up around, um, just before six or 6 AM at the latest, I will meditate. So I, I do an Ayurvedic thing, which is called a tongue scraper, where you get rid of all your toxins overnight, which is not very pleasant, but you do it anyway. So do all the teeth brushing and all of that kind of thing and that stuff. And then I will head into my office where I will meditate. Um, so I'll meditate. I will do either yoga or exercise, breathing. I chant um, some Vedic um, uh, kind of um, songs uh, just to kind of bring in the day. Um, I will journal and then I'll get ready for work, have my breakfast, all of that kind of thing. Um, and then evening routine will either oh, that be...
0: Whole, that whole period from... Yeah, so from six, six,
1: six till about, yeah, half eight, nine o'clock when I start work, yeah.
0: Oh, right. So that is a big commitment every day wow yeah. so you're doing two and a half basically two and a half hours of i would of... say
1: about well i would say a full hour and a half most probably doing stuff maybe sometimes two hours but on average about an hour and a half now 45 minutes and then the rest of it's just getting ready and eating breakfast and stuff like that
0: okay okay yeah. And, you know,
1: and it it mean it, <laughs> it takes me a while to get ready for work takes me a while to get ready for work
0: yeah but <laughs> not the way that people might expect right that's not <laughs> all just doing your hair yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: That's uh, right. Yeah. So, and and the the type of meditation you're doing, what's that?
1: So, I I learned and still and teach and I still do myself is I think called primordial sound meditation, where I use my own personal mantra based upon the sound that the universe was making at the time of my birth. So the city, the location. So the city, the date, and the time. So it's quite a unique. It's it's actually one of the oldest. Um, meditation techniques and so the vedics all them years ago many many years ago obviously thousands of years ago um, studied the lunar cycle and when um, at certain times obviously through that lunar cycle the universe was making ridiculous sounds and uh, mm-hmm. vibrations so primordial sound for example is like the birds tweeting it could be a river trickle of a river or a stream it could be the wind blowing through the trees or just the universe just making its kind of normal sounds um and so there is so it's based upon a it's a mantra based meditation um so i do that every morning um sometimes i listen to other guided meditations but not normally i would light a candle um and i would then meditate based upon using my own primordial sound meditation
0: right this is after uh, with your tongue feeling very clean
1: yes with my tongue Good. feeling very clean at this point and my teeth brushed so everything's all gleaming yes
0: <laughs> right and how long do you how how long are you meditating for?
1: I do about half an hour meditation.
0: Okay. Okay. Minutes. And then what are you doing for the rest of that? So you do you said you do journaling.
1: Yep, and exercises. then uh, yeah, and exercising mainly stretching. I do breathing techniques. So I do a lot of pranayama. I mean breathing. One of the things I realized for me is that I never never am um, actually wasn't well. Basically, I wasn't breathing properly. You know, I was very shallow, shallow breathing, and I think a lot yeah. of us are in a lot of high high alert states we do the shallow breathing we don't really yeah. go you know fully down into our belly and so i do a lot of pranayama techniques um around breathing um so i might do you know alternate uh, right. breathing um i will do um the primary breath these are the breaths that i do as well coherent breathing clearing breaths like the connecting breath there's loads of different breath techniques that i would use of the morning um and so i do do my to do, 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 do breathing do meditation um do my exercise stretching and whatever else I'm doing for exercise like this morning I was on the peloton um but I'm going to yoga this evening so you know so I kind of mix it up a little bit sometimes you know sometimes I'll just go for a walk because it's just nice to be outside in nature I love being outside in nature um so yeah so you you kind of mix it up a little bit just to keep the variety there um but I would always start off with meditation and breathing and then exercise and then a bit of journaling and then
0: get ready for work and your journaling now is focused on what 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 do you
1: of things actually it can just be that i might pose a question to myself i might have observed a behavior or a reaction that i did the day before that i might want to understand a little bit more about what was going on for me in those moments um or it just might be some wider bigger stuff around purpose life what happens to the soul you know all of that kind of thing so yeah so it it could be some bigger stuff or it could be some more kind of more micro stuff that relates to me
0: right yeah um and it's just whatever emerges. You just allow yourself yeah. to go with yeah. what,
1: yeah. Yeah, I learned a technique a long time ago just to start writing and, and keep um, keep the pen on the page. So try not to let the pen leave the page and just write for seven minutes. I only do it for about seven minutes every day and just see what right. comes up. And then I read it back and then I will look at it and think, okay, so what does that tell me about myself or what does that, what, what's the message in this that I need to understand? So I do that,
0: yeah. Yeah, okay, I like that. Wow. Yeah. Because I because I've, I've also had a lot of, you know, I also meditate in the morning and I often do it, but I'm, I'm not at that level of, yeah, really committing that amount of time. Um, and obviously it pays back for you over the course of the day. It
1: does. But I think to remember for those that haven't meditated before or those who feel, you know, a bit daunted by meditation, you start off small. I started with two yeah. minutes, you know, and I built it up. I've been doing this now for over a decade, you know, over 10 years. So. I think for me, you start off small and when I'm teaching meditation, I would always say that, you know, two minutes a day, just two minutes of just quiet, quiet time for yourself. And then you build it up, you know, next, next week you do four week after that you do six, then you go to eight, you know, and then you find that people can get more comfortable with it um, as, as, as we go through. But I think what, I, I mean, I do, I'm a real advocate for meditation because I just know it just allows you to connect more with your true self and gives you that opportunity to do that
0: yeah i've I've found exactly the same it's it's very powerful um great i know we've 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 spent an hour this has been such a fabulous conversation um i've really enjoyed it and i oh i'm also intrigued about that i can't let go but without the the reiki are you using that as part of your morning yes so i
1: do a couple of times a week i do reiki to clear myself and my own energy managing my managing energy is really important because energy sticks we get you know stuff you know, you could go on a bus and feel great one, you know, on the bus and then you get off the bus you feel really rubbish. And it's not because the bus is late. It's just because the energy is transferred. Um, and so I think for me, uh, you know, energy management is really important. I would say that to everybody, you know, understand, you know, what drains you, understand what gives you energy and be conscious of those environments, people and situations and scenarios. But for me with Reiki, I do a couple of um, self-healing kind of processes a week for myself and i s- still receive reiki now by my somebody else um because it's nice still to to get that treatment and to be to, you know to be a customer of you know to to experience it um as a client of reiki so that allows me just to fully kind of once a month just relax and and just allow my you know kind of that energy um and and as opposed to kind of you know unblock because we have just quickly you know we have
0: our nice, chakras, so but fine. we have I mean, I'm really seventy-two thousand
1: nadi channels, which are energy channels that flow within our body, and, and they all kind of congregate around these kind of seven wheels of energy, which are known as chakras. And the seven chakras get blocked, and so do those energy channels. And when our energy gets blocked, we can feel ungrounded, and um, we can feel disconnected, we can it can affect our emotional well being, our physical well being, and all sorts of different things. And so it's very important that your energy channels are clear and clean as you know as and open as much as we can have them um and so therefore you know um it's really important that i think you if if you don't have not experienced reiki then one it's a great relaxation technique um it's a really good relaxation experience but two it will unblock any negative energy or any blockages or any toxins that are kind of storing within your body because what we don't want to do is inflammation we know that inflammation causes those more significant diseases and illnesses such as heart disease, diabetes, cholesterol, anxiety, you know, even more anxiety and stress and yeah. depression and all of those things, and even bigger, you know, heart conditions and so forth. And so we want to make sure that our energy is not building up into causing any inflammation within the body. And that's why I think this is a really important piece of my well-being, and I would definitely encourage it for other people to experience it as well.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you're bringing it up because it's its, it's just isn't – meditation is. is Kind of, I think, accepted to some degree, you know, in, in the West now. Um, and mindfulness certainly has, has obviously become very popular. But um, I think Reiki and understanding of energy is still something that's I, I, at least the way I perceive it, a little bit more on the fringe out there. So, you know, I'm glad you're talking uh, about it. Yeah.
1: That.
0: And is it something? And this is something you're able to bring into to corporate clients now? Are you Yeah, is it?
1: yeah it is. So I use. So I mean, obviously, I'm not going to. I wouldn't necessarily do hands-on reiki treatment with a corporate client or anything like that but i do hold retreats so for example i've been running retreats in majorca once or twice a year um i've got my weekend retreats that also so we do a lot of healing work within within those retreats and so a lot of corporate people come on those or lots of different people come on those actually but we combine that whole eastern um approach and philosophy into the modern day world that we live in so making kind of those rituals or those practices really um sustainable for people and manageable for people. So it's meditation and yoga and ex breathing and, and healing and Reiki and all sorts of things. So, so we do a lot of work on that and help people, um, yeah, reconnect with themselves and, and, and be able to maintain and sustain the techniques when they get back home, which is the main
0: thing. Yeah. 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 Very important. And and that's about routines. Yeah. Yes, We're that together, is about routine. The, yes, the, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, habit yeah. stacking the habits, which is exactly. Like, and, you know, and you know,
1: just because I have my routine in the way that I do doesn't mean to say it's going to work for everybody. You've got to find your own routine, and that's one thing I would say to any client is you know find a routine that works for you, and just stick to it and stick to it longer than twenty one days. Everyone says twenty one days to create a habit, but it's not. It's actually over thirty. So you know that the longer you do it, the more it becomes part of your everyday life. And, and you've got to stop thinking about it as, as something that you're you do and it, rather than it's something that you be and I think yeah. that's the difference it's, there's a big difference between doing it and being it and I think if you can make that shift over time through practice then it will just be something it'll be a lifestyle it's your lifestyle rather than a diet or you know exercise routine or, or meditation routine it's just part of who you are and it's part of your life
0: and I don't know if you find this, but there's, the, there's this phrase where, first of all you you master the practice, and then the practice masters you, right? And it, it becomes like you can, you almost uh, I find I can't not do it, right? So it takes a lot of discipline to begin with. But now if I skip a meditation, I start I feel like the debt of like uh, I need to get back on it, right? It, it, yeah. It sort of and, and I
1: think you will. I think once you get um, into it, you'll notice, for example, that um, you'll feel. You, when you don't meditate, you feel different versus when you yeah, do meditate. Exactly. And I know for myself, if I don't meditate and I don't beat myself up, if I don't do it, if, for example, I don't know, maybe I'm traveling or something like that. I mean, yeah. I can still meditate on the plane or on a train, but, but I think the reality is if maybe you don't do it at the same time, like you would do every morning, um, but you, you do notice the days that you don't do it versus the days when you do it. And I think for me, I can only speak for myself is that when I do it, my day flows more rather than when I don't do it, my day is less flowing, more clunky, I
0: would say yeah the biggest barometer of me is my reaction to my kids right (laughs) i'm snapping at my kids Uh i've missed my meditation uh brilliant this has been this has been fantastic i really appreciate this conversation Gillian, and the fact you have been prepared to go be so vulnerable and talk about the traumas as as well as uh as, as all of the routines and the practices that we've got into um so again the book is coming home uh a guide to being your true self people who want that uh, and where would you send them you know if they're interested in any of the approaches that you take yeah Gillian? so
1: you can get hold of me on i've got my uh, full circle global website so www.fullcircleglobal.com or you could get hold of me at gillianmcmichael.com either way um alternatively you can follow me on instagram at mcmichael. Um, and there's lots of tools, techniques, uh, tips for the day, all sorts of different things on there. So you're more than welcome to come along for the, the ride and enjoy that if you do. And um, and you can also listen to my podcast, Finding Finding Your Way Home, um, which is on Spotify and Apple as well. Awesome. Thank you. Well,
0: thank you so <laughs> much. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Too. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.